Hey, what's going on, you guys? This is episode eight of the Nabi Design Podcast. And in this episode, I sit down with my good friend, David Shin, who is the host of the I Hope They Hear This Podcast. And this episode is really another live coaching session and a follow-up to a podcast that I did with David on the topic of anxiety. Uh, we talk about the topic more in depth, and I really just kind of coach David uh, through some of the stuff that we talked about in the last podcast. Check it out. <laughs> All right. All right. What's going on, you guys? This is Andy Un, and this is episode eight of the Nobby Design Podcast. And today I have uh, a friend. I have uh, a master Jedi in the podcasting <laughs> arts. Uh, his name is David Shin. Oh, thank you. That's an amazing and very honored by that intro. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I was joking with David on text. I said, you're like Obi-Wan Kenobi and I'm like a young Anakin right now. <laughs> um, one day you're going to be at Yoda status. Um, Joe, Joe Rogan's like, like Yoda. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but I'm really excited about today's episode. Um, obviously already doing two podcasts with David and mm -hmm. just having an awesome friendship. There's a, a great rapport that's already been built. And really where we're going today is going to be, um, we'll be talking about podcasting a little bit, mm -hmm. uh, but really the, the main focus of this podcast is uh, going to be kind of a, a follow-up coaching session to the one we did uh, on uh, David's podcast, uh, which was an anxiety episode. So if you haven't heard that, I would definitely recommend you check that out. I hope they hear this podcast. You can find them on Spotify. But that's really the direction that we're going to be going today. It's going to be kind of a follow-up, uh, another live coaching session. So I'm excited, bro. Yeah. Oh, man. Very honored to be on the Navi Design Podcast. Thank you, sir. I'm a huge fan, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> He's too kind, guys. Um, well, sweet. So just, uh, you know, take as much time as you want. But um, if people wanted to get to know David Shin, mm -hmm. I obviously know you. Um, we're somehow related in the Shin bloodline. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my mom's a Shin and we're, we're the same uh, Shin bloodline. Just a fun fact. Mm -hmm. But uh, if people wanted to kind of get to know you, mm -hmm. what would you say? Uh, I would say I am a almost 32-year-old Korean-American. Mm -hmm. uh, I wouldn't quite say I'm a second generation by definition. I'm 1.5 mm. just because I was born in Korea. Mm. So my, and my parents still don't really speak English. Mm. So the, the Korean culture and language is very close to me. Um, I am a data analyst slash a consultant by trade. Mm. Um, so yeah, I work with a lot of data. Uh, I work with a lot of optimizations to help big companies save money, Okay, uh, which is a perfect job for me. It sounds weird that an introvert like me s describes consulting as a perfect job, mm. but it's perfect for me because companies come to us with a problem. Mm. We take that problem, we take their data, mm. we try to solve it, mm. and then we come back with uh, results okay. or a solution. Wow. So there's a lot of time where I'm not talking to anybody. I'm just by myself, working on the problem by myself. I'm okay. trying to solve it. Wow. Yeah. So uh, I guess client contact is minimal. Okay. Um, so it's, yeah, I'm very lucky to have the job. Mm. Um, and I am a, yeah, I attend SKBC. Uh, 
one of the core members, I guess. I've been going there for 10 years. Oh, wow. Um, it's my family. It's my home church. Mm-hmm. Um, I love everyone there. And for those of you who don't know, SKBC stands for Sugarloaf Korean Baptist Church. That's right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And last thing, oh, I am father of Aisley. Yes. Uh, my six-month-old daughter. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, father of Aisley. Uh, his wife, Shirley, who's a entrepreneur mm. who does a uh, business called Soft Tea. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Very cool. I want to ask a quick question. Um, yeah. Actually, when you said that you're a 1.5, I was like, oh, yeah, I guess technically you you would be considered a 1.5. Mm-hmm. Um, my question, and for those of you who just maybe not be familiar with 1.5, really what he's saying is that he was born in Korea uh, but moved here at a pretty early age. Right. How old were you, David? I was six. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he moved when he was six. Mm-hmm. So here's a question for you just real quick. But um, I'm assuming you probably grew up around a lot of pure second gens. Right. Mm-hmm. My question to you would be what differences, discrepancies, kind of maybe interesting nuances did you see growing up mm. between yourself and maybe a pure second gen? Yeah. So one of the things, big thing is second gens tend to mix in English okay. when they communicate with their parents, mm. like certain phrases, certain sentences. Mm. But at most for me, I can throw in a few words here and there, mm. but it, my parents are so ingrained in the Korean culture. Wow. Um, they don't, it doesn't really translate if I do that. So I, I have to translate everything into Korean before I communicate it. Oh, wow. I, I never speak English phrases to my parents. Okay. It's funny because even now, I, I kind of get surprised at how much English they actually do know. Okay. Um, because growing up, they knew nothing. So, wow. Yeah. So you're, I mean, I'm assuming your Korean today is still pretty fluent. Um, decently, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like you can hold a conversation easily. Right. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Like I can't, I can't talk politics or anything like that. Right, right, right. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Another one is, I, I don't know, this is just my own perceived personal thing, mm. but I noticed that a lot of second gen Korean Americans have extended family that okay. live in America. Yeah. Right now, even growing up, my immediate nuclear family mm. was on, was the only people I was related to that lived in America. Oh, wow. Yeah. So all cousins, everyone lived in Korea. Okay. So when I, it was such a foreign concept for me to hear my friends Mm. who had cousins that lived down the street. Wow. So like family get togethers for you would just be like your immediate family. Right. Wow. Yeah. So it it was a big deal when we went to Korea. Okay. And we had a huge gathering. Wow. Okay. Very cool. Well, uh, I'd love to spend 30 minutes just digging deep into uh, <laughs> the personal life of David and kind of, I guess we will be today. But um, wh- one of the things that I immediately thought of, because I was like, man, I really want to get David on the podcast um, for multiple reasons. But uh, for, you know, for those of you who don't know, and obviously I would love for you guys to check out his podcast. Uh, I hope they hear this. Um, one thing that I've just been a bystander just watching David is I've been actually really impressed and really inspired. And I just want to tell you that David. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, uh, when I first saw you kind of go on this podcasting endeavor, you know, um, I was just kind of paying attention being like, Oh, I wonder what he's going to talk about, but to see you go so consistently, what episode are you on now? Uh, my last one was 52. Okay. That's impressive, bro. You know, cause I feel like, 
I feel like most people have a desire to podcast, but maybe they don't lack the discipline or the consistency mm. to like see it through. Mm. And so when I just saw you kind of crank out material week after week, I was just like, man, you know, I got a lot to learn from this guy. <laughs> you know, like I, I think the discipline is what or the consistency, I think, is what um, makes people look forward to more and more, mm. you know. Wow. Um, but yeah, my my two questions for you would be number one. Um, what inspired you to start this podcast? Yeah, I think for me it was I had a creative void in my life, mm. something I wanted to do that because just a little bit more background. Yeah. When I was in high school, I was super into fine arts. Mm. Um, every semester of my high school career, starting second semester freshman year, mm. I had at least one art class. Oh, wow. Yeah. So. Um, I took a bunch of even AP art classes. Oh, I, I worked on my portfolio. I was applying to art schools too. Wow. But because of, well, it was really from, because of the, uh, my parents and my brother saying that their perception was that art school didn't really lead to financial stability. Sure. So they convinced me out of going to art school and I ended up going to Georgia Tech. Mm. But ever since then, I felt like, there was something in me that I wanted to do, but mm. like I couldn't really figure out. As soon as I lost the art side of it, mm. there was something in me that kept saying, God, I, I wish I could do something. I just didn't know what medium. Mm. So I, I did a lot of stuff. Um, I, I There was a stretch where I was writing a lot. Mm. I like self-published the book or two, mm. things like that. And podcasting was just a nat natural next step in that endeavor to figuring out what I can do to fill this creative void. Mm. And yeah, I, I gave myself a, at least a year's commitment. So my last episode that I published, that was the end of my year commitment that I gave myself. Dude. Yeah. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Wow. I, I figured if I didn't do that though, just knowing my personality, yeah, I realized if I don't have a commitment to myself, I'm probably going to drop it. The mm. First obstacle I come across. Mm. So I just really wanted to explore it and make sure that I didn't leave any stones unturned. And mm. I, I figured a year would be enough. Mm. Yeah. Wow. So it was, yeah. Okay. So kind of maybe quick sub question mm. before the next question. Um, what is it for you, David? Um, I'm going to try to formulate this question. What is it for you on the inside? If you had to try to describe it, like what, what does the artistic itch mm. feel like for you? Mm. So I think this is something I recently discovered. Yeah. I think the itch was my desire to curate stories. Wow. Yeah. Even I, thinking back, yeah. even my art, yeah. when I was painting things, yeah. it was always about my interpretation of whatever I was painting and the story that went along with it. Wow. And so I think that's why the first thing after losing that fine arts part, like side of the creative process yeah i think the reason why my first thing that i went to was writing was because mm. that was the easiest way to, for me at the time to curate stories mm. yeah no this is interesting what is it about i i, I love what you're saying is mm. like there's an itch for you to curate stories mm -hmm. why though is that important for you this is gonna sound funny but sure I'm a huge movie bluff. Okay. And when I watch movies, I look at the side characters. Wow. Like literally characters that are just walking by. And I think they must have a story. 
What is that? Because I, the older I get, the more I realize that all of us, our lives are just intersections of our stories. Wow. And the reason why there's conflict a lot of the times mm. is because we we think to ourselves, my story is more important than that person's story mm. or that person's story is insignificant compared to mine. Mm. So I just, I wanted, to, and this is something really I, I, I'm discovering about myself since like a month ago. Mm. Um, so I, I'm realizing that the more story I can pull out from my guests on my podcast, mm. the I feel like there there will be more peace in our community in wow. in the Korean American Atlanta community. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. No, this is you're you're t- you're taking this down a really interesting yeah. rabbit hole because mm-hmm. I think what you're saying has depth. Mm. Exp- unpack that a little bit more. Yeah. Like like wh- why do you feel like hearing people's story almost brings this restorative, cohesive, maybe healing quality to community. Mm. I, I'm curious. Yeah, so I'll take, you know what, I'm going to take Hyun, for example, because he was my last guest. Okay. He was also a guest on your podcast. Yes, right? he was. <laughs> yeah. So the story that Hyun told me about him leaving his insurance job, mm. going into accounting, mm. if I were to just see that from the outside, mm. There's a part of me that would think, oh, that guy just couldn't cut it in the in the, in the in insurance industry. Okay. And he's just looking for a way out. Mm-hmm. And that's just a super insignificant story that I would have just heard and I would have kind of just left alone. Mm-hmm. But understanding that he wants to pursue accounting because ultimately his, his desire is to do something in the elderly care. Right. That adds so much more weight to, wow, that was so courageous of him mm-hmm. leaving that job that he was comfortable with going into you know, accounting and doing all these things. Mm. And like, I get inspired by that. Mm. My wife, who also is very into elderly care and very puts a lot of weight into that. She heard the podcast and said, wow, like I'm really inspired by him too. So just the fact that you were able to extract that kind of desire or that, that, that thing that's been living on the inside of him Mm -hmm. was able to make a connection with another person. Right. Right. This is fascinating. Keep going. Yeah. And uh, another, so there was another guest named Captivated, okay. Edward Sun. Yeah. He really opened up about how he felt insecure about his music. He's a rapper, mm. but he hasn't released music recently because he felt insecure about it. Mm. And he was focusing on other things, but it didn't make sense to me as a listener of his music. This is interesting. Yeah. yeah so have, getting being able to hear that part of his story and letting it, letting other people listen to it, mm. I think is going to have a ripple effect where people can say, you know, I'm, I don't understand why you feel that way. Like your music's great, and encourage mm. him, and that it might actually encourage him to, you know, do more music, maybe even release more impactful music in the mm. future. Um, and without having known that, he would have just, maybe he would have lost his music forever. You know what I mean? Th- this is interesting. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give some quick commentary yeah. on just little light bulbs that are going off. But like, I think this is super profound and I'd actually even love to maybe even do a, a, a another podcast just on even the power of story mm. and, and unpacking maybe just different nuances there. But what I'm hearing as I'm listening to you is I just heard the phrase like collective consciousness. Mm. Um, you know, that might be a new term for some people. We might've heard it floating around somewhere, but in essence, what I'm saying is I feel like you know, with relationships, 
there really is kind of this unspoken collective consciousness. And it's almost like when one person's able to share theirs, it's almost like it's creating the synapse of information that's Mm -hmm. able to flow that wasn't there before, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'll just give a a really quick example too. So I love watching movies as well, Mm -hmm. but my wife will tell you, I especially love, um, docu-series or documentaries on people Mm. and biographies Mm. like i've probably watched almost every biography biopic i don't know not everyone but i've i've that's like kind of my go-to and the reason is is just kind of connecting to what you're saying is so my wife and i just finished um on netflix kevin hart's docu-series okay it's called don't f this up (laughs) (laughs) but honestly like every night as we were watching it we were so impacted by just getting this kind of in-depth look at this guy's life, not necessarily because we were so interested on like what's going on inside of Kevin Hart's life, but it was the vulnerability of his sharing and his experience Mm -hmm. that somehow connected with us. And there were so many things that so many light bulbs and so many kind of darkened rooms inside of us that lit up Mm -hmm. just by hearing another person's story. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Okay. That's interesting because yeah. the most feedback I get on my podcast mm. is when people open up, when wow. people get vulnerable. Wow. Yeah. So I think that does, like you were saying, brighten up or yes. light up dark, darkened spots in our own lives. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. No, this is good. Um, I, I, I'm, a, I'm an INFP for anyone who knows uh, Myers-Briggs. So we are the masters of going down rabbit holes (laughs) because we just want to go deeper and deeper and deeper. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I reel myself in, um, (laughs) but, uh, but I, I want to, maybe the next question for you would be, um, on this journey of podcasting being one year in and, Mm -hmm. you know, having now done over 50 episodes, what would you say would be one or two gems of just insight learning that you've taken away from this this process yeah i think the biggest thing is whenever you are going on an endeavor whatever it may be the most helpful thing is to let people know um i think by nature because i'm an introvert Mm. i tend to hide things away Mm. and I, i also think there's like some sort of false humility associated with that where i don't like putting my work in progress is on display. Wow. But I'm realizing that the more I reach out to people, the more I tell people about what I'm doing, there are so many people willing to help. Yes. There's so many people willing to give me advice. So many people willing to help me make the podcast better because mm. really the podcast started with me and my phone. Like mm. I didn't, I literally recorded on this, the mic on my phone. Wow. My friend heard, he gave me a bunch of equipment to work with. Um, like, other people heard and they they introduced me to a lot of people who could be guests on my podcast. Other people heard they helped me figure out how to, you know, improve the quality of the sound of the podcast. It, it's, it's been amazing. It's just been, it's been like a snowball. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, I, I'm realizing that, yeah, whenever you're, you're going about doing something, mm. the more people you let know, the mm. better, because there are going to, there are going to be more people willing to help you than there are people willing or wanting to bring you down. Mm. Okay. Wow. So I guess the first gem was the fact that if you were to like the fact that you went on this creative endeavor 
it almost showed you the power of community and the power of people getting behind you. Right. Yeah. yeah. Would, would there be anything else that you would say that you kind of have taken away from this journey that you're just like, man, you know, like, I'm so thankful that I did this for this reason. Yeah. I think consistency. Okay. Um, consistency for the sake of consistency, because mm -hmm. there was, I, I feel like in my podcast, there's kind of a lull where I started off really slow because it's just me for like the first 10 episodes. Yeah. Then I have all these guests and there's a four or five episode stretch where mm -hmm. I didn't have a guest and okay. it was just me. And there was a moment in those five, that span of time where I said, maybe people don't want to do this anymore. Maybe it's not worth doing anymore. Mm. But simply because I made the commitment to myself, I said, wow. even if I had to do it by myself, mm. I'm going to finish out the year mm. commitment. Mm. But since then, mm. I, I've, I've had a guest on almost every single episode after that. Mm. And I, I was able to capture so many people's stories. That's been super impactful, super inspiring. Wow. So yeah, I'm really glad I pushed through. Wow. Yeah. That's a nugget for someone today <laughs> is you got to just push through because sometimes you'll catch a, a second wind, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. No, this is cool. Um, I want to kind of pivot a, a, a little bit. Um, and I realize I just want to throw, I just want to say this real quick is I, I, I pray that um, just for the remainder of even this podcast, um, I really pray that this actually just brings a, a depth of value. Um, you know, I think the last time I, I recorded with David, I think we, we, we prayed before the, uh, okay. the thing. So I'm kind of doing a little quick audible one now, yeah, but, yeah. Um, but no, but I mean, you know, so much of what I do talk about is, you know, for me, the purpose of this podcast um, was really around kind of two major things. Number one was um, really for me, this, this intersectional point between spirituality and psychology mm -hmm. is a very, um, I don't know. I'm trying to, I, I want to say it's like, yes, it's near and dear to my heart, but it's just a, a place in an area that I feel like it's a white, white space that needs to get kind of filled up and yeah. dialogue needs to happen. Yeah. So that's number one. But the, um, but yeah, the second thing uh, or the second purpose of this podcast was, yeah, through talking with people and through kind of having these open dialogues, um, yeah, it was really to provide kind of almost like a coaching content mm. for people. You know, um, there's so many times that I'm coaching with my clients and there's so many times I just want to like freeze frame it or I want to like record it, but obviously just, you know, for disclaimer purposes, like I'm not, but right, right. you know, there's so many moments where I just want to capture that and be like, man, this is so, this is so gold mm. and I don't want to share this with people. So, um, so pivoting a little bit, uh, David, maybe for people who didn't listen to the anxiety podcast, yeah. Give us a, kind of a summary yeah. of, of what happened. Yeah, before I get into that, I, I do want to say I'm the one who requested we talk about this. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I have a lot to talk about. <laughs> I have a lot to say yes. about this because yes. it was so good. But to just summarize our podcast, I went into that podcast. Well, the genesis of that podcast was we were at a Daniel School gathering. Yes. And I mentioned to Andy that I was going through some anxiety. Mm. And he said, wow. I would love to talk to you about that. And we've, we decided that it would be kind of cool to capture that on the podcast. So that's what we did. And going into it, I was very distraught because I was anxious. I had, I even had kind of a mini panic attack, mm. but I couldn't figure out why mm. from the outside looking in into my life. Mm. I had a great job, great marriage, 
baby on no, I did. Yeah, Yo, you have had a, a baby on the way. On the way, baby on the way at the yep, time, right? Yep, yep. Yeah, I mean everything was great. There was nothing really like I, I felt unworthy to be anxious, mm. right? Because everything on the outside of your life looks so good. Yes. Okay. Yeah, and so because of that too, I, I guess I tricked myself into thinking whatever what the real reason was mm. wasn't real, mm. right? So. Going into the podcast, I really believed for myself that there was no reason I should be anxious. Mm. I, I don't know why I'm feeling anxious. Mm. But through the course of the podcast that we recorded, mm. you unearthed a lot of things in my life through questions and all that. Mm. I, I realized that the kind of the pivotal moment in my life um, was when my father declared bankruptcy. And yes chunk i guess the majority of the financial burden landed on me because my older brother was in korea at the time wow and i convinced myself that that was nothing but the phrase that i actually use a lot thanks to you was perceived reality yes right so i kept trying to think about it from an objective point of view yeah instead of what i re i perceived in my reality what you actually felt right yes right. and being able to identify that has been great. Wow. Because yeah, because that was kind of the end of our podcast, right? Mm. We, we identified it and I kind of had a, a revelation. Yep. Wow. There actually is a reason that I'm anxious. Mm. Yeah. Mm. You know, real quick, mm -hmm. I, I like, I, I just want to give my quick two cents on that too. I mean, that, uh, that coaching episode was actually really fun for me as well. I mean, you know, when David first talked about his anxiety and he told me like kind of the, some of the symptoms that he was having, of like having basically panic attacks, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. And I and I remember when he described it, I was like, you know, that's a panic attack, right? <laughs> He's yeah. like, I guess it is. Yeah. Um, but uh, but but I, you know, I, I I guess I understood immediately. I'm like, you know what? That's not happening for just no reason. Mm. So I knew that through the process of coaching. And I mean, honestly, I didn't know if it was going to happen that session or maybe in a future session. But I just knew we were going to find the vein or the stream of where that comes from. Mm. And uh, yeah, so just real quick again, I mean, that episode was really cool because I think very naturally and organically through that process, we kind of discovered that and it was kind of like, whoa, mm. like, like we're, we're kind of observing it now. Um, but anyways, I want to uh, do this real quick. Yeah. Go. Yeah. You know, actually that episode is the most listened to episode on my podcast. Shut your mouth. No, it is. It is. Are you kidding me? No, no. You know, but you actually, uh, you called it. Did I? Yeah. It wasn't even before we recorded it. You said, I feel like this is going to resonate with a lot of people. It's probably going to be the most listened to on your podcast. And it, <laughs> it literally is right now. And, That's yeah, funny. There, there's so many people who uh, really the episode resonated with. Wow. I think my even my story. Um, I think that's something. Oh yeah, common. Yeah, uh, to a lot of the Korean American second gen. So, oh, for sure. Yeah. Wow. But as a after that episode, um, so the first thing being able to identify where my anxiety was coming from has been life changing, because the way that I pray has has shifted now. Mm. I'm no longer kind of in this misty, foggy. I don't know what's happening. Is this even anxiety? Mm. Just having clarity to where it was coming from it has been great. Wow. Yeah. 
So when, when I when I do have moments of anxiety, I know exactly where it's coming from. I'm able to kind of identify in my current situation what's happening to have triggered it. And I feel like I'm able to control it a little more than I, I used to before. So what I hear you saying is you've become more self-aware. You, exactly. Yes. Yes. I, 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 I want to ask this. Mm-hmm. Describe to me maybe the difference now. Like, give me kind of a before and after picture. Like, before, obviously, you're kind of oblivious to mm-hmm. it. You just know that the anxious feeling is there. Yeah. Describe to me internally what it feels like now. Yeah. So, now, so previously, what it felt like was I'm feeling anxious. It, it felt like I was getting shot by a BB gun and I had no idea where, from which direction the BBs are coming. So, I would just wallow in it. And a lot of times I would just curl up in my blankets and just kind of lay there like, oh, this is life, I guess. Wow. Kind of helpless and hopeless. Wow. But now um, when, when that comes about, I, I take an inventory of what's happening to me. Um, so first thing I look at is work. What's mm-hmm. happening in work? And there, usually when I get anxious, it's because there's something about my work project that's not going well. And I extrapolated it internally and somehow got to a place where I felt like I was going to get fired because of this. Mm. So I would identify it in work. What, what project is it and what part of the project isn't going well. And I'm able to compartmentalize that and I can focus my energy on that. Wow. So now you're almost able to somewhat isolate where the energy is coming. from. Yeah. Yeah. And then so doing that helped me just be more productive at work, too. And, and so like, if, once I recognize that my source of anxiety is coming from, let's say there's an optimization model that's not running correctly mm. and that's making me anxious, then I drop all the kind of administrative stuff that I'm working on mm. and then focus just on that. Mm. And by the end of the day, even if I don't solve it, but I do make progress, mm. I feel so much better because I feel like there's a way out of that anxiety now. Wow. Yeah. Just, just the fact that there's progress made. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So it almost feels like before the anxiety kind of had a control over you, mm-hmm. but now it's almost like you're able to kind of wrestle it down again. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. And I think a huge part of that too is I can pray about that specific thing. Yes. And that gives me so much peace, just being able to pray about it. Talk, talk about that a little bit more. Like explain why that is yeah, just explain why that's so pivotal for you now. Yeah, I think so. It, it's just my personality too. Mm. If something is happening and I don't know the reason, mm. I, kind of that lack of control mm. makes me feel so uncomfortable. Mm. But being a Christian, mm. if it's something I can pray about, mm. even if I don't have control over it, mm. I know the person that does. Wow. Right? So if I can pray about that thing specifically, yeah. I have peace in, in knowing that I'm relying on a God who has absolute control over this situation. Whoa. Yeah. So being able to pray about it because of that, because of the person I'm praying to. Yeah. It, yeah, it just gives me a lot of peace. Yeah. Okay. So I, I just, I got to chime in here. This yeah. is, this is too good. Um, <laughs> I think this is awesome. This, what you're talking about right now is, a beautiful example of the intersection between spirituality and psychology. Mm. You know, I think I'm going to eventually record episodes one and two, you guys, I promise you, (laughs) 
uh, I, I've tried to re record that thing like twice and yeah, my son, yeah, anyways, yeah, my son arrow is like, daddy, what are you doing? <laughs> but, um, maybe I should just leave it in there. Oh, yeah. it's, it's super cute. Yeah. Um, no, but this is such a beautiful example of the intersection between spirituality and psychology, because, you know, once, once we get even the basic premise that we are a spiritual being that has a psychology, that alone, I think, creates such a different framework of maybe understanding, you know, the way the world works and even the way that our emotions relate to who we are and all of these things. But uh, I, I couldn't help but to think of this this verse, this Bible verse, um, uh, David, uh, Philippians chapter four, verse six and seven. It says, don't be anxious mm -hmm. about anything. Don't be anxious about anything but with prayer and supplication, giving thanks, make your requests known before God. Mm. And then this is what it says. It says, and the peace that surpasses understanding will guard your heart and your mind. Wow, I just had chills. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, I mean, I mean, you know, it, it, it would sound like a no-brainer, but I mean, really, I guess what, what what's resonating with me is it's almost like, wow, the Bible is real. Yeah. Like this is, this is real. Yeah. I don't know. Do you want to say anything? About wow, that? no, because I actually didn't think I, I knew. Obviously, I'm familiar with that first. Mm. I never realized how perfectly it fit into my situation. Wow. Yeah. Until you, you just said it. So, wow, that's that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, and I just want to say quickly, like um, just even right now, I can think of so many examples of when this has you know, even played out in my life. I'll just share one quick story. So um, my grandmother, who's now 86 years old, I believe, she always talks about um, this memory in her life where anxiety was almost like a Goliath or like this giant in the room. Mm -hmm. To make a long story short, my parents and my grandparents uh, were doing a Korean restaurant here uh, in Atlanta in the late 70s and the early 80s. We were actually the first Korean restaurant in Atlanta. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's kind of, I guess it's a cool little, you know, fun fact. Oh. Yeah. It was called Korea House um, over at Peachtree and 6th Street in Midtown. Hmm. Yeah. Um, but anyways, what ended up happening was, um, I believe it was in 82 or 83. No, no, I'm so sorry. It was in 85. Um, the restaurant burned down. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it was our livelihood. Oh, and we le we legitimately didn't have the right insurance for it. Mm. And so it was devastating, yeah. to say the least. I mean, it was one of those situations where, you know, as an immigrant family, they really didn't know, like, how what, what's going to happen? Mm. Like, are we going to actually recover from this? And my grandma shares this story where, you know, my, my grandparents, who are very, you know, strong believers... My grandmother, um, she remembers going upstairs into her room and she get, got on her knees and she just started to pray. Mm. And that's all she knew how to do was she was like, I have to give this anxiety like I'm feeling overwhelmed right now. Mm. And so she began to pray and she began to pray and just ask God for his help. And she said it was during that time that she felt this whisper um, in her heart, right? Not like an audible whisper, but kind of like this inner voice mm. Um, actually telling her Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Wow. And so she literally picks up her Bible and she reads it. And the way that she describes it is the moment that she read it, that peace 
that literally was beyond her mental understanding mm. actually enveloped her. Mm. And she, you know, she, she jokes about it, but she like came downstairs after and, you know, the whole family's kind of figuring out what, what are we going to do? And just with this perfect serene peace, she looks at everyone. She says, everything's going to be okay. Wow. And even my parents talk about it. They're like, it was weird, but like, we just knew what she said was real. Mm. And I'll just kind of give you the, 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 the quick ending to that. Um, but what ended up happening was, was as a result of the, the restaurant burning down, my mom and dad actually started a small wholesale jewelry business. Mm. Um, and what happened in the first year, by the end of that year in December, they literally tripled, uh, their, they tripled their, their revenue wow. from what they did with even the restaurant. Wow. And that's what set us on that trajectory. Mm. So anyways, that's just a quick story. Um, isn't that like one of the biggest Korean owned businesses in Atlanta now? Yeah, I would say yeah. it's, it's probably, it's, you know, it's, we, we do well, it's, yeah. it's up there, but yeah, I mean, I think, I, I think all that to say is, you know, it's not about the necessarily the prosperity, right. but I think just the fact that there was a situation where anxiety, fear, crippling fear mm. could have literally like it could have crippled us. Mm. Like it literally could have strangled the life out of our, our heart. Right. But in that moment, my grandmother sought, you know, a higher power for herself. And as a result of that, you know, something really shifted. Wow. So that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, for, for you, David, mm -hmm. um, I guess what I would like to ask is, where do you feel like you're at in the anxiety journey today? Mm -hmm. And is there anything that you probably, or you want to maybe explore today? Yeah. So, well, obviously I will say this. It's not, I, I won't say that every time I pray about it, the anxiety magically 100% goes away. Right. Um, it definitely helps mm. and it's a journey, mm. but yeah, I'm not going to disillusion anyone by saying, right. You just pray about it and it'll go away. That's yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cause I mean, I'm not perfect. Sure. Um, I have, I still have a lot of doubt. I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm like 100%, uh, a faithfully obedient servant. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, there's still parts of me that, um, struggle with it, but one, one big thing that happened since the podcast, there was one part that I talked about and even on the podcast, I said, I don't know if I should be talking about this, mm. but I talked about how. I was basically bankrolling my wife's dream, right? Wow. Becoming the sole, well, deciding to become the sole uh, stable yeah. income earner of yeah. the family so that my wife can really explore her entrepreneurial dreams. Mm. I talked about that. And at the time when I talked about that, I hadn't talked to my wife about that prior mm. to that. So that's mm -hmm. why I was like, I don't know if I should be saying this, yeah, but I yeah. went ahead and said it. Yeah. Um, just believing that my wife would be kind. <laughs> but after my wife listened to that episode, yeah. she said, yeah, I listened to that part where you talked about soft tea. And in that moment, I was a little nervous because I thought the reaction would be, hey, I didn't know you were feeling that way. I'm going to drop soft tea so that you don't have to feel this burden anymore. Mm. That would have been very detrimental to my, I, I think, to my journey with anxiety because mm. Then now I'm the guy who forced my wife to give up on her dreams, right? Mm. But her reaction was, 
I'm so thankful. I'm so grateful that you're doing this for us. Wow. Yeah. And her, and it wasn't that she was going to stop softy. She was going to run even harder at it because she was so grateful. Wow. That was, that felt like burden being lifted off my shoulders. Yeah. It felt like burden being lifted off your shoulders for the sheer fact that she acknowledged it or was there more? Uh, yeah. It's not that she acknowledged it. Because I think she, I knew that she felt that way internally. Mm, mm. But the fact that her reaction wasn't to shrivel away, mm. her reaction was to like grow from it wow. is I think what really helped me. Like it energized me. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I feel like in that way, it's almost like, you know, even just between you as husband and wife, it was almost like she was helping you carry that burden but in a way that maybe you didn't expect. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Um, is there anything that you feel like maybe where you're at today, you kind of want to explore or. Uh, I don't know. One, one other. So this isn't one other thing I wanted to mention actually kind of as just a follow up. Sure. Um, I didn't really talk about this on our episode. Mm. And I actually, I haven't talked to Shirley about this either. So (laughs) Shirley, this is another new thing you're going to hear. But um, one thing, just because of my personality, I I never like really seriously contemplated suicide. I don't Mm, think, mm. but there was a part of me because I'm such a logical guy that kind of explores every possible option. And there is a part of me that said, if I were to die, because I have enough life insurance, right? The money that my wife gets from my life insurance payout, she can use as seed money for soft tea. Wow. Like it's such a twisted thing to think. But it like it like flashed for a moment. Yeah. Like yeah. I couldn't help but explore that that idea. Sure. Right? I I would just I want to comfort David. I think if we were all vulnerably honest with the flashes of mm-hmm. thoughts that come to my mind, I don't think David's crazy. Okay. okay. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but uh, I, I've, I, so I've had those thoughts, mm. but the reason why it never fully manifested into an actual like consideration yeah. is because another thing my wife really helped me with is by saying this. So I know that my wife values my life, mm. but she had dreams where I would die, uh, whether it was I was running outside and a car would hit me or, or something. Mm. And she, she, it actually happened multiple times. She had mm. that dream multiple times. Mm. And she would wake up in sweats, panicked. Like, oh, my wow. gosh, I thought I, I lost you. Like, wow. that would be devastating for me. And she's not the type to verbalize that mm. on a normal basis. Mm. But because she had those dreams and she told me about it, mm. it really was like, okay, I, I really would have a profound impact on her if I were gone. Mm. So this whole idea of life insurance payout, right, right. that's not an option. <laughs> yeah. So, but if I would, I will say this though, if I'm being super open and vulnerable, please. if my wife hadn't told me her, her dreams and her reaction to me dying in her dreams, I think, yeah, I think the whole life insurance route would have been an option that I would have considered more fully. Yeah. So this is interesting. Why do you feel, David, that I'm going to try to phrase this correctly. Like, Mm -hmm. why do you feel like, why does the financial security, obviously I know you, you would never like consider, Mm -hmm. we're not taking the thought seriously, but I think there's something underneath that Mm -hmm. that's driving that. Right. Mm -hmm. 
So why do you feel like the thought of financial security, even as ludicrous or crazy as it sounds like, why do you feel like that would even be worth your life? Mm. Like, why does that matter to you so much? So it's, I know the, there's a lot of people around me. I know the heartache that comes with, like, even with your situation, yep. with your grandparents' yep. restaurant burning down. I mean, with the 2008 recession, we've seen many, many Korean American owned businesses go under. Yes. Right? We know what that does to the psychology of our parents. Yes. Uh, of the business owners that lose their livelihoods. Yeah. And just the, mental stress but how that even manifests physically mm. i feel like i've seen a lot of people physically age because Deteriorate. yeah because yeah. Of, of the things that they went through and yeah i think that had a profound effect on me just seeing that wow right? and knowing that that mental stress can literally manifest itself physically yeah like it would I need, as a husband, I feel like I need to do whatever I can to protect my, not only my wife, but mm. my daughter from having to go through such things. Yeah. Can I posit something to you? Yeah. 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 And this might be a little bit deep, but okay. I, I think, did you see your mom in particular go through anything when the financial crisis happened for your family? Wow. Actually, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So my mom took it really hard. Okay, d just describe that for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So well, when, when it happened, when my dad's business went under, yep. his immediate thing was, well, I can just start something else. And he ex literally almost immediately started um, exploring other ventures. Mm. But for my mom, it was, I can't believe this home that I created for my family is about to fall apart. Like the house that we grew up in since I was in sixth grade, it, it got foreclosed on. We, we literally, I would say, we, I guess we basically got kicked out of it yeah. because we couldn't pay the mortgage anymore. And we moved into a much smaller townhome. And my mom's kind of big thing, I wouldn't say purpose, but her main goal was to provide a stable, safe sanctuary for me and my brother so that we can foster, we can be nurtured and we can, yeah, really grow into our potential. Mm. And I, I think that whole financial situation, I mean, and both my parents come from financially well-off family. Sure. And for my, my dad's side, his grandfather had a, so my paternal grandfather like owned like a factory and all mm. that in Korea, but that, that business went under. So I think my dad was kind of used to that. Mm -hmm. He had experienced it before. Mm -hmm. my, my, grand, my maternal family side, they're still very well off. Mm -hmm. So I don't think my mom ever really went through that. Mm -hmm. So for her, it was almost a collapse of her world. And wow. Yeah, she, she, I don't think I ever saw her cry, but I did see my parents argue the most during that time period. Can I ask you a question? Mm -hmm. How do you, how did that affect you if you were to try to go there? Mm. So specifically seeing your mom, but then even seeing the, the tension or the strain or the lack or like the, you know, certain types of deterioration, like how did that personally affect you when you were witnessing all of that? Yeah. So just to give context to that 
or context to the answer I'm about to give. I always viewed my dad as kind of a Superman archetype. Sure. Indestructible. Yep. No matter what happened, he'll get over it yep. or he'll get through it. Yep. My mom was more of the damsel in distress yep. kind of archetype. Sure. There's another thing that actually happened that profoundly affected me. When we were in, when we were living in LA, my dad had moved to Atlanta first to start his business here. Mm. And we were, it was just me, my mom, and my brother. Our car was parked outside our apartment and we were waiting for something. But my mom's window was slightly cracked open mm. and some like hoodlums, yeah. some kids like threw a water balloon at our car. Wow. My mom got splashed. Wow. And it was, uh, we knew where they lived. So wow. we went to go confront them. Yeah. They wrote us off completely because we didn't, my mom didn't speak English well. Wow. And my mom went to go complain to management. Wow. And they also wrote us off because wow. like, my mom couldn't articulate what happened. Right. So ever since then, it was, I think both for me and my brother, we decided, man, we, we got to protect our mom. Wow. Yeah. So wow. when the whole arguing phase happened, yeah. I didn't worry about my dad. Yeah. Even though he probably went through the most stress, mm. I didn't worry about him. I, I figured he would, he would be okay. But I just always felt kind of a protective attitude toward my mom. Yeah. So I'm going to say something and I'm going to make a kind of a beeline statement mm. because it's, it's, I, I can feel something, but the way that you feel for Shirley mm -hmm. actually is a direct reflection of how you felt for your mom. Mm. Yeah, I can see that. And what's, what's, what's more real is that the emotions that were in, that were involved with what you internalize with your mom is actually what is being redirected even to Shirley. Mm. Does that resonate with yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then I'll take it even a step further, which I think is crazy. But whether you realize this or not, in your subconscious, you are protecting Aisley, your daughter, the same way that you wanted to be protected. Wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can feel that. Yeah. So real time right now, what's going on inside of you? Yeah, no, I, so I actually, I don't, until that moment you said that, I don't think I really considered what was happening to me at the time. I externally took everything in, but internally, yeah. Even in that, that whole water balloon moment, like there was a lot of fear in me that I think I overlooked because I wanted to protect my mom. And yeah, in, even with the whole financial thing we went through, I think I thought about my mom before considering the implications to myself. And that actually, you know what, that kind of makes sense because that might be why I was kind of blindsided by the, the responsible, the financial responsibility I, I had to take on. Wow. See, what's interesting here and, and, you know, if I'm just being really honest, this is, there's a depth here that I think re will require maybe even another episode mm. or just even another hangout between me and you, <laughs> honestly, like we'll go to like Starbucks or something, yeah. you know, yeah. but I, I do want to say this is that, 
Um, in essence, what's happening here is that, you know, when we're, when we're young, cause I want to, I'm going to assume that when the water balloon thing happened and I'm not sure, I'm, I, I'm sure it's not just even that isolated event. Mm-hmm. I'm sure if we were to dig, there may be even other things, mm-hmm. but I'm guessing that's before you were 13. Yes. It was before you were 10. Yes. Okay. Yes. So that's super significant. Don't have the time to go into it now, but our psyche is literally being co coalesced and calcified during that time. Mm. And I just simply say that to in layman's terms to say this, our soul is really tender. Mm. It's really tender. And when you experience any form of, let's just call it for what it is, a trauma mm. or some sort of traumatic event or an event that puts a shock to the system, we actually don't realize how much it actually ingrains itself into our psychological understanding. Mm. And what I would say is, you know, for the sake of time, if we were to carry that into the future, um, there's even a reason, David, as to when things happen, when difficult things happen you will actually remove yourself from the spotlight seat and it's immediately going to people of how you can protect them. Mm. But in the process, you become very unaware of actually how you're feeling. Right. Wow. Does that resonate? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I think that resonates wholly because even the whole thought that, Oh, I, I should die so that my wife can get money. Yes. is like, I'm wholly removing myself in consideration. Absolutely. Wow. Wow. And I would say this, David, is that, you know, obviously, you know, there's just room for just random thoughts Mm. because, you know, we're, we're free thinking people. But I would say when it comes to things like this, that we actually consider, and it's like, maybe we've even thought about multiple times, usually there's a deeper reason there. Mm. And so, as a friend, brother, coach, whatever, you know, I, I hope that this brings some sort of value to yeah, you no, today. For sure. But I think what's so important, and this is maybe how I'll kind of try to tie a ribbon, is that for me, the coaching and, and all of this stuff, it all points back to self-awareness. Mm. I don't think self-awareness is the end of the journey. I think it's the beginning. Mm. I think it's literally the door that opens up a world of possibilities that even allows us to engage with what's going on from a completely different standpoint. But I say this because um, this is this is what I hope to bring. This is what I hope even this podcast, yeah. um, and I believe even my life calling, you know, if you want to say that, but um, helping people feel more in tune with actually what's going on. Before we close out, David Chin, is there anything that uh, that you would like to say, sir? You know, I want to say this. <laughs> None of this was scripted. And I have to say this because I feel like it, it went flowed so well. Wow. And it unfolded so well. But I, I, some of the things I said, I hadn't even decided if I would mention to you when I walked into your house. Wow. So I just wanted to tell everybody this is not scripted. This was literally like a live coaching session just now that you witnessed. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Well, David, man, bro, as always, you know, I, I not only appreciate, and I think whoever listens to this will definitely appreciate your vulnerability and just your willingness to go deep and just to bring it full circle, bro. I feel like 
what you said at the beginning of the podcast was so profound that in one person sharing their story, it's almost a restorative healing, you know, power for another person. So I personally just want to say thank you, David. No, thank you so much for having me on. It's been, it was great. I feel like I'm taking away way more than I I gave today. So, (laughs) Well, guys, thank you so much for tuning into this wild, but amazing (laughs) episode. Uh, Really appreciate it. I hope you guys tune in and uh, God bless.